Hello and welcome back to the Death, Taxes and Disappointing Sex podcast. As you know, those are the only three three things in life that are guaranteed. So we're back with another Q&A today, but it's a slightly different one. So I asked on my Instagram if people wanted more ultramarathon running content as I'm starting to gear up again, fingers crossed. If my ankles all stay in one piece, I'm starting to gear up again for another one, either back end of 2022 or early 2023, hoping to get a spring trail series in there. Um, so ultramarathon running. For those of you who don't know, I am a very mediocre ultramarathon runner. I did my first race last year. And the first question that people always ask me when they hear, oh, you ran an ultramarathon, and then I tell them how far it was, they go, did you actually run 100 kilometers all in one go? And the answer to that is yes. But the thing to remember about ultramarathons, and I suppose this is our first question, we're launching straight in, is that ultramarathons are distance covering events. They're not necessarily a running race, especially trail ultramarathons, where you're going to be encountering different terrains, a lot of elevation. One thing that surprised me about the race that I did was how much elevation there was and how many hills there was. So it's it's about covering the distance as quickly as possible. It's not like a road marathon where you're aiming to like maintain one pace for the whole time or you're aiming for like, I don't know, like it, it, you're aiming to run the whole thing. It's It's very, very different. So I did... Race to the Stones, which is a race that's run by a company called Threshold. It was in their Threshold Trail series. I absolutely loved it. Loved it. It was brilliant. It was um, through Oxfordshire, kind of, I think it was on the Cotswold Way, and we ended at Avebury Stone Circle, so right down in Wiltshire. And I chose that one because it's really well supported and really well organised. I did a lot of research before I signed up, although I did sign up to this on a massive whim. I was hungover. I signed up. But previously, I'd done a lot of looking into, because I knew I wanted to do an ultramarathon. I'd done a lot of looking into what was the best ultramarathons to do for beginners, because I wanted one that was supported. So supported basically means that there's a lot of staff out. Um, the, the route is really well marked. There's um, aid stations at regular intervals. And I didn't want to do an unsupported race, which is one where you basically have to carry all your stuff yourself. So just a quick race overview for you. It did not go to plan. Well, that's unfair. A lot of it went to plan apart from the injury bits. So I started the race with a torn Achilles. About maybe two weeks out, I started experiencing quite a lot of Achilles pain. And if anyone knows what that feels like, it's it's awful. You just can't really put your heel down, couldn't run properly, and had to take the final two weeks basically of just like super light training, trying to do as much rehab, prehab, hiking as possible to try and get it into the best shape possible to run. I very nearly pulled out on race night. I, I almost didn't show up to the finish, the start line the next day, but it had been a two-year build-up. Because the race was cancelled in 2020, which was the year that I was supposed to do it due to COVID, it'd been like this two-year training cycle, and I just was not ready to not do it. So I started with the torn Achilles. So my plan of an 11-hour race was doomed from the very start. And at 77 kilometres... On this trail, on my own, no one else in sight, long grass, I twisted the other ankle down a rabbit hole and felt this just almighty crunch. And I don't know if you've ever crushed a can underneath one of those can crusher things that you stamp on. If you've ever heard that noise, that was what it felt like someone had done inside my foot. So I did some pretty gnarly ligament damage that I'm actually still recovering from nearly a year on that I managed to 
I managed to screw it up again. So I ended up power hobbling the last 23 kilometers and I finished in 14 hours and 40 minutes, which was really frustrating because I'd been aiming to do it in, um, in about 11 and I would have been happy with under 12, but that is life and it's okay. I will do another one. I will have another opportunity to do it. So the first question that everyone asks other than did you actually do that in one go is well how much did you eat or what did you eat or how much food did you carry with you so how much food you carry with you depends on the length of the race it depends on whether it's self-supported and it depends on if you're like running laps of something so race to the stones the race that I did was just a straight through trail you started at one point you ended at another point 100 kilometers away and it wasn't like a loop and I had we had aid stations about probably every 10 kilometers ish, give or take. So I had the option of topping up my food supplies at those aid stations and those water supplies, crucially. So I didn't have to carry that much with me. So I started the race with two liters of water on my back because I had planned to not stop at the first aid station. I knew that I could get through, knock out the first 22 ish kilometers, I think it was, and get them in the bag while everyone else was stopping at the first aid station which I knew I didn't need because it was about 9k in I didn't need it we were all good so I started with about um two liters of water and probably five gels and maybe like four cereal bars in my bag and I had them just in case I decided later on that I didn't want to stop somewhere if I had enough water I wanted to keep going so I had surplus food my advice would always be to start with a bit more than you need just in case so if you're self-supported, you're obviously going to have to work out how much food you're going to need, how much you can feasibly carry with you, um, what food you're going to have in your bag. So you're going to be looking to keep things quite compact. So you're going to be looking to use like gels, carb powders, things like that. And then you're going to need to think about water, where you're going to top that up um, and how much you're going to carry, I suppose, as well. So 100 kilometres, I wanted to eat something roughly every half an hour. So obviously that was going to be a lot of gels. I probably went through about 20 to 25 gels on the during the race um and some of those I picked up at aid stations as well so if you're doing you can do other ultramarathons where you run laps laps of a circuit that's let's say like five miles long and you just keep doing laps of that so you might not really have to actually carry that much with you if you're doing like a lap race like that and um, you might have a point where you have a bag drop so if you're doing like a hundred miler you might have a bag drop at like 50 40 50 miles in where you can completely restock and replenish one of my clients has done that previously um so yeah how much food you carry with you depends a lot on the race but just to keep it to my experiences I started with two liters of water five or six gels and um and a few cereal bars and these were things that I'd I knew that my my tummy was good with I was happy with I was comfortable with and then people ask me like well what do you eat during this time and this kind of depends on how fast you're going to be running. If, if you're going to be running really fast, if you're a, a pretty elite in ultramarathon running, you're aiming to run the whole thing, you're probably not going to be wanting to eat full-on solid foods. And this is where things like gels and sports products come in really, really handy. If you're going to be walking or hiking a lot of it, you can get away with eating a lot more solid food because you're going to have more, I suppose, more blood available to digest it because you're not going to be pumping all of that blood away from your digestive systems to your muscles so you're less likely to get cramp. I used mostly gels. I used a few bits of solid food here and there because you do get a little bit sick of gels as you go around. 
However, we kind of have to remember that from a performance perspective, gels and carb powders were developed for a reason. So I use gels, I put carbohydrate electrolyte powders in my water. Um, and I, I fueled that way because I wasn't, I wasn't that fussed. So some people just go, oh, I'd, well, I just get really bored of eating gels. And I'm one of those people that's like, I don't care. It, it's the best thing for me. I also have quite a sensitive tummy. So I know that if I eat gels, I'm probably going to be okay. You should always use the food that you practice with. Now, I, savvily, ahead of time, looked up who the race sponsors were. And the race sponsors were a company called High Five, which was actually music to my ears because I really like their gels that they produce. So I looked at the race sponsors because I knew that that was going to be some of the food that would be provided on the aid stations. So there's a couple of other companies that I wasn't familiar with and I looked at their foods and they had like actually some quite high fibery chia CD bars that I knew just would not work with my stomach the fact that it said high fiber on the label I was like that's not a great idea for a running race so I started practicing with high five gels and another company's gels called OTE O for octopus T for turtle E for elephant I started using their gels so I carried some OTE gels with me and I stocked up on high five gels as we went through and I really like those two gels because they are very gentle on my stomach. The high five ones in particular are basically just like having a shot of fruit juice. Really easy to get down, not having to use all your energy to try and suck them out of out of the packet. So I practice with those. Um, but yeah, if there is going to be a race sponsor, look at who it's going to be. This is a, it's such a great hack for ultramarathon running. If there is a race sponsor, check out who they are start practicing with their products because they are going to be available at aid stations. Um, so I didn't have to carry that much food with me because I knew that I could get the food that I needed from the aid stations. And there was other things like they had packets of crisps. I think they had sandwiches. I think they had like hot chocolate, hot drinks, potentially had like tea and coffee as well, biscuits. But I stuck to the things that I knew right up until I got to probably about 80 kilometers into the race maybe not even that, maybe like 60, um, until I got to that point and I was like, do you know what, in my clouded judgment of being very tired and a bit knackered, and I was like, I think I need some solid food, I tried one of the cereal bars that was from a different sponsor that I got from an aid station and it just gave me stomach cramp. So lesson learned, stick to the food that you know, even the professionals screw up. The next question that we come on to is how much do you drink? Now, you can go, I suppose, exact science when it comes to this. Um, yeah, you can go exact science if you want to. However, I decided to go from more of like a practicality standpoint. And I, know, I knew that my camelback was two litres. So I could carry two litres of water with me. Um, easy peasy. I knew that with everything else that was going to be in my bag, I was probably only going to get about one to one and a half litres in because I practiced this in, in the run up. So I had about one to one and a half litres and I literally just aimed to empty my camelback between aid stations. Now, there was a couple of aid stations where I probably didn't put enough water in because I was struggling a little bit to refill it um, and ran out before I got to the next one and was left wanting water. But other than that, it worked pretty well because the, because the aid stations were about every every one to two hours. You could, I suppose, get through about a litre of water every one to one and a half hours and it worked pretty well. 
I then dropped an electrolyte tab into each Camelback or I used a carbohydrate sports drink. So I used to had like these carbohydrate sachets that I had in my bag. I would empty the powder into the Camelback. So I would have like a blackcurrant flavored carbohydrate electrolyte powder. And it's important to use electrolytes when you're ultramarathoning because you're going to be sweating and you're going to be losing those salts. So you need to somewhat replace them. I didn't use it as an exact science. To be honest, it's I wasn't at the level where I needed to make it more scientific than it needed to be. I just needed it to be easy for me to remember. Because the last thing that you want to be doing 60k into a race when everything hurts is trying to remember what you're flipping meant to be doing at this point in terms of your nutrition and your hydration. So it's just a case of like, right, I know that at every age station, I'm going to put in either a carbohydrate drink and that would contribute to my carbohydrate intake as well. I mean, I had to eat less during that leg or an electrolyte tab. And I tended to just kind of alternate just to give my stomach a bit of a break from being constantly assaulted with carbohydrates. Um, so yeah, I just alternated. And sometimes I did like two legs or like two stretches between aid stations with just an electrolyte tab and sometimes I did like electrolyte tab carb electrolyte tab carb I just kind of played it by ear based on how I was feeling um I should I previously should have said so just nipping back to the what to eat question the recommendations for this kind of race is up to about 90 grams of carbohydrate per hour so I was aiming to eat 90 grams of carbohydrate per hour which is like two to three gels I personally went closer to like the 60 to 70 grams per hour mark because I know that's what I can tolerate and that's what I practiced with and putting the carbohydrate sachets into my water made it so much easier to hit those targets because I was just adding an extra 30 grams of carbohydrate easily so I it was one less gel that I had to eat so yeah I probably went about um two to three gels per hour and maybe something solid as well if I fancied it the hotter it is, the more fluid you're going to need. So depending on when you're racing, I was racing in July, but we were actually very lucky in that we got an overcast day that was actually a little bit grey, a bit drizzly. We got some drizzle around the 40 kilometre mark, which was very, very welcome. So it kept us quite cool. So I wasn't absolutely sweating my tatters off because the more you sweat, the more water you'll lose and the more electrolytes you use as well. So if you're doing an ultramarathon in like they do ultramarathons in the Wadi Rum Desert in Jordan, if you're doing that, you're going to need a hell of a lot more water than if you're doing an October ultramarathon in the UK. So do just bear that in mind if you're thinking about planning your hydration. When you finish, it's really important to get some to, to rehydrate, to get some water and carbohydrates and electrolytes inside you, because it's a strong chance that you won't have managed to replace everything that you were sweating out. I think I did fairly well. You can kind of see the next morning how well you've done with your hydration. If your urine is really, really dark, you probably need to focus a bit more on your rehydration. But actually, I didn't do too badly. And um, my guidelines that I tend to give to athletes and that I use for myself in this instance was just aim to get like a, a few liters of water in the next three to four hours after you've finished racing with some added carbohydrates and added electrolytes. And that actually might just mean having it alongside a salty carbohydrate snack. So when I finished, we had fried chicken and chips. It was the best thing ever. They had food at the finish line and it was exactly what I wanted because I've been eating like sweet gels all day. So I had that alongside some salty chips and some salty chicken and it was fantastic. A great hack for this is to keep some big bottles of water in your car. So if you are finishing 
at the same place that you you parked which is a possibility for some races you you have water readily available in your car you can go grab a big bottle of it and you can know that you need to get through two to three of those big bottles in the next few hours so you know there's like two two liter bottles or one and a half liter bottles big bottles that you can get from the supermarket just keep a few of those in the boot of your car they are also fantastic for the drive down if you're racing somewhere far away so i was driving from Leeds to Oxfordshire which is probably about I think it took me about three hours to get there in the end if you're driving a long way you're gonna get uh, get dehydrated quite quickly oh I nearly just swallowed the fluff on my microphone you're gonna get dehydrated quite quickly when you're driving down so you want to avoid this because we don't want to start racing dehydrated we want to start really well hydrated so that we have plenty of of wiggle room in how much water we can lose before we start suffering because it takes about two percent dehydration to, sh- to see a decrement in performance and if you're already one percent dehydrated you've only got one percent wiggle room um so yeah make sure you just drink plenty when you finish get some carbohydrates and electrolytes keep using the electrolyte tabs and keep dropping those in the water with you so with all this talk of food and drink how do you pee and how do you poo en route now this is something that i got accustomed with very quickly you either have to use the portaloo or use baby wipes so a massive tip for anybody who's thinking about going out and doing long runs especially when you're going to be practicing your nutrition is take a dog poo bag and take some baby wipes. It's not dignified, it's not fun, but at some point it's gonna save your bacon. You're probably gonna need it. And fun ultra story. I missed the first aid station, as I said, and the next one wasn't until about 22 kilometers. And at about 20 kilometers, my stomach just went, Charlotte, I think we need to go. And I was like, oh no. And I was looking around frantically and I was like, is there anywhere here that I can just nip off the trail and just, and just get my baby wipes out and 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 save myself and we were literally in the middle of a golf course and I was like I can't I can't do it there's nowhere I can go so I had to basically like shuffle waddle the next couple of kilometers and peg it to the portaloos when I got there and but it's kind of easier for the men because you can just pee standing up so you can you can pee on the side of the trail if you need to um but I would absolutely recommend taking baby wipes because you don't want to finish an ultramarathon looking like you just ran a tough mudder still credit to big nick who was in one of my previous episodes for that joke it still is relevant and still makes me laugh every time so yeah you you have to either get creative and squat behind a bush or you have to there's there's portaloos there will be portaloos on the way and if you're really desperate i'm sure you could probably nip into someone's house because you'll be running through residential areas i'm sure you could probably knock on someone's door and they'd let they'd take pity on you and let you in Okay, carb loading, the bit that everyone seems to absolutely love. In the days up to it, how do you carb load for an ultramarathon? And it's quite daunting, the idea of like, I'm, I need enough fuel to race 100 kilometres. But what you have to remember is you're going to be eating en route as well. So it's not like you have to get yourself in a position to be able to run 100 kilometres without food. We're not doing that. But the technical recommendation for this, like the sports nutrition recommendation, is 48 hours of 10 to 12 grams of carbohydrate per per kilogram of body weight. So for me, as a 60 kilo person, that was like 600 to, or like 720 grams of carbohydrate for two days of low fiber, easily digestible carbohydrate, sticking to your regular foods, keeping it a bit boring and plain. Now I didn't strictly 
stick to this recommendation, count it out, track it. Because I have a fairly good grasp of what high carbohydrate meals are, what high carbohydrate foods look like, I stuck to a lot of my normal meals because I know that my stomach can kind of handle it quite well. Um, I stuck to a lot of my normal meals and actually just increased the portion sizes and added high carbohydrate snacks in and around those. So I basically just spent the whole day eating sweets and eating toast and putting quite a lot of golden syrup on things, which is very good fun. So the night before, because I was driving down and I was staying in a hotel and I knew I was going to get there a little bit later and I didn't want to have to worry about having to find dinner because I think I was going down on like it, I knew it was like a little bit in the middle of nowhere where I was staying so I took a I took a picnic with me in a cool bag with some frozen freezer cooler things what are they called ice packs there we go with some ice packs to keep everything cool so I had chicken salad sandwiches crisps cereal bar mini brioche some sweets and some fruit kind of all spread out over that evening I didn't want to overload my stomach all too much so I took a couple of sandwiches um and just nibbled throughout the evening until I went to bed I quite like getting a bit of fat in there too because I know that I always run well after pizza and chocolate cake I always run like an absolute steam train so I wanted to I was happy to get a little bit of fat in there as well or probably more fat than most people would when they're carb loading and because I also knew that the intensity that I was going to be running at I was going to be using fat and carbohydrates I wanted a little bit of both so yeah I didn't strictly stick to the low low fat easily digestible type white rice white potato rice pudding type diet but I added in a few fun bits which are part of my normal diet and I know make me feel good then for breakfast the morning of I had cereal strawberries milk and some mini brioche which is actually minus the mini brioche which is very close to my regular breakfast and I know this is the breakfast that I can tolerate I wanted to keep everything as routine as possible so I took down a box of cereal some some strawberries for the next day and a little thing of milk and just had that for my breakfast and it was fantastic it worked really well for me in my opinion and I would absolutely recommend if you can taking what your regular breakfast is I know some athletes have like a race day breakfast a lot of the triathletes that I know of will eat things like rice pudding and golden syrup for their breakfast or like rice and honey which white rice and honey for their breakfast but I knew that I wanted to keep it as close as possible to my normal one um so yeah that is what I basically ate leading up to it it was kind of just a bit of a do you know what I think I just went through a lot of mini brioche I was a little bit worried about the fueling situation the night of and was kind of stressing about it but in the end it was absolutely fine and I, I had plenty I knew that I wanted to keep some fruit in there because so the way my bowels work I know that if I've had some fruit in the evening I will be able to go first thing in the morning and I didn't want to to set off to start the race knowing that I hadn't used the bathroom properly so I knew that if I had some fruit in the evening and then the next morning I would be able to go get everything out of my system and just be able to start fresh and empty as it were so any other tips of equipment of things that you need are things that you need to do this is a question that I got from somebody of like just general bits that you wouldn't expect waterproof layer number one doesn't matter when you're racing if you get higher up it can get quite cold and windy so we had bits where we were actually like on top of the ridgeway it was across the ridgeway in Oxfordshire we were on top of the ridgeway and it was really really high up and it was a bit windy 
not very nice and even though it was July it was a bit chilly and I had this like I think it's from Innovate um a very thin waterproof windproof shell and it is possibly the best thing that I've ever bought and I would recommend it to anybody who wants especially like a summer running layer or just a waterproof windproof layer to go over the top but take one with you I just smushed it up and shoved it in my bag for the majority of the race but there were times when I did need it the second thing is sunglasses and this is as much for the sun as it is for the pollen if you're trail racing and you have hay fever like me keeping the pollen out of your eyes will be really really helpful third thing is a head torch especially if you're potentially going to be running into a time when it's getting dark with batteries that work the third the the third and fourth things are training specific tips so train hard but not smart my training volume I think my biggest training week was 80 kilometers and that was I think as big as it got most of my training volume was kind of around the 40 50 kilometer mark like if I went over 50 kilometers it was a big week for me so it was about getting in. And the majority of it was one speed session a week, which you don't necessarily need for an ultramarathon, but I like them. It keeps it a bit mixed up, doing some like longer speed intervals. So like fast, but comfortable. Two, super easy, very chilled out, recovery-ish runs. And for me, that was probably about 10 to 12 kilometers. And then one longer run per week. And I didn't necessarily do a long run every single week, but it was probably like every other week, a lot of the time and then there'll be times when I do like back-to-backs and that'd be fine um but they will probably be about 20 to 30 I think max I do about 40 kilometers for a long run and I just go out for a few hours and it wasn't about pace it was just about running far and that's one of the beautiful things about ultramarathon training is that it's not very it's not really about pace it's just kind of covering the distance I would absolutely recommend as well and this is something that I did and I'm really glad I did getting used to just time on your toes So if you're only used to running for about four or five hours at a time, chances are you're going to struggle when it comes to being on your feet for like 10 to 15 hours. Go out for some big ass hikes and do like weekends of hiking. Get used to being on your feet for that long because it is a long time. And that was the thing that was the biggest shock to me was actually how my feet felt when I'd been on them for 10 hours. And I think I'd potentially have found it much easier back in the days when I was working in kitchens when I just that was a normal thing was to spend 16 hours stood up but get used to moving for that long and it doesn't have to be running it can be going hiking but get used to having big days out which brings me to the final bit of this little session so the final thing is the mindset how the hell do you not get bored how do you not hate your life how do you just how do you keep going and keep grinding for 100 kilometers like just moving on your own because I was on my own for a lot of it I found some groups for some of it which is really nice there are a few people that you keep bumping into and you kind of form a little group and jog for a bit and then you'd move to another group and have a chat and jog for a bit and everyone's in the same position as you so they're more than happy to just have a have a bit of a jog around um together hatch chat shoot the shit find out what you're doing how you how you came to be there and then move on to someone else and you have the same conversation a million times but there were three things that I did especially as I got more and more injured as the race went on so the first thing I did was I just counted to 10 over and over and over again and I can hear you going oh my god Charlotte you absolute psychopath and maybe I am but it worked it kept it distracted me and it was it just kept me moving forward because you can always make it to the next set of 10 all you have to do is keep moving for that count of one to ten 
and then just keep going again and again and just do it again and all you had to do was make it to the next number 10 and you could always make it to the number 10 so it made it easy you can always just do 10 more steps the second thing was just repeating the mantra to myself of um running is faster than walking but walking is faster than standing still i knew i had to get to the end mostly because i was in the middle of salisbury plain probably by this point i think i was in the middle of salisbury plain and there wasn't really a choice if you've got 20 kilometers to the next town that no one's coming to get you you have to get to the next town it's made very clear when you enter the race that if you drop out along the route you are responsible for getting yourself back to the car or to the finish line or to wherever wherever you're going and I don't think I had enough money in my bank account at that time to afford a taxi 100 kilometers because that would have been really expensive so I knew that I just had to get to the end it wasn't even a question so I just kept repeating to myself running is faster than walking but walking is faster than standing still so if you can't run then you walk and if you can't walk you crawl but at no point do you stand still even going through aid stations you probably stand still for a minute to fill up your camel back and then you're moving again, keeping yourself going, not sitting down. There's a base camp with Race to the Stones that at 50 kilometres, because some people do it as a, a multi-day thing. They do two 50-kilometre runs, which I can't imagine running 50k and then the next day getting up and being like, let's do that again. So I chose to do it as 100 all the way through. I didn't stop at base camp. Now, most people have a bit of a pit stop here, a bit of a longer pit stop. I chose not to because I knew that if I sat down, if I stopped, it would be really hard to keep going again. So I just kept going. I did my normal fill up water, grab some gels, off you go. The last final thing is understanding that it's just a big day out. I got it into my head that at the very worst, I was going to walk it. It was going to take me 20 hours. And that was the worst case scenario, really, was that I was just going to have a really big really big day out and I was going to see a lot of the countryside and I was just going to keep going and all you have to do is keep moving for that big day out but I think once you can get it out of your head that it's a hundred kilometer race and into your head that it's it's just a big day out you're all right um and that kind of concludes the little q and I had all I think I've covered everything in my little question question pouch that I created if you have any questions about ultramarathon running if you are considering running an ultramarathon and you want some support with your nutrition, please do get in touch. I have all the experience and all the qualifications to back it up. Um, I will put the way that you can get in touch with me in the show notes. If you feel like you're ready for support with either ultramarathon running, just running in general, like exercising in general, or managing your body weight, please do get in touch. All my contact details are in the show notes. You can find me on Instagram at charlotte.f.nutrition, on TikTok at charlottef.nutrition. Yes, I am one of those people. Or you can email me charlottefisher.nutrition at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you next time.